Welcome to Impact, a podcast ministry of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Middleton, Wisconsin. Impact features interviews with gifted Bible teachers that will help you better understand Scripture so it will have a greater impact on your life. The host of Impact is Mark Jenstead, the staff minister for Nurture at St. Andrew. Hi, everyone. Grace and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a pleasure to share God's Word with you today. Today we're back for part two in Acts chapter four with Professor Sam Degner from Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary. So we'll pick it up where we left off last week. We'll talk to Sam here in a moment. Let's begin with a prayer. Dear Lord, we need your help for our faith to grow. Send us the Holy Spirit to increase our faith in your promises, to increase our understanding of your Word, that we may be lights in our churches, our schools, our homes, and our communities. We ask for boldness and courage to do so. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, Professor Degner, back for part two here in Acts chapter four. We'll get to that in a moment. First, I want to ask you about uh, your professor here. And I think last week you said five years? Five years. Okay. You're a pastor. Where were you serving before you came here? I was at Bethel in Menasha, Wisconsin, for 12 years before coming here. And so your colleague... Pastor Phil Hunter. Yes, yeah. Phil's uh, Phil's dad has been your uh, your pastor there for quite a while. Um, it was a joy to to serve with Phil for a couple of years. He's down in Florida now. Right. Yeah. Okay. So because you're a pastor, uh, I know that uh, the churches in the area benefit from professors here at the seminary preaching from time to time. Is that you too? Yeah, and we benefit from that too. It's, oh. uh, it's good to 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 be in the pulpit. Right. Exactly. So. Tell me about the last time or the next time you'll be in the pulpit. <laughs> uh, boy, the, the, the last time I got to help out at Risen Savior, uh, uh, they have a vacancy in their, uh, for the Spanish side of their congregation. Where's Risen so, Savior? In Milwaukee, in Milwaukee, and got to preach in Spanish, uh, something I got to do every week up in Menasha, and I don't get to do as often now, so uh, that was a blessing. Uh, and then going to preach this, this Sunday here in, in Mequon at Trinity and St. John's, and actually going to preach on... Some of the verses we're about to talk about, so this works out nicely for Which me. Which ones? Uh, well, the believer's prayer okay. that we're going to get into today. Wow, that's mm-hmm. quite a coincidence. <laughs> it's not exactly a coincidence. I may have worked that out. Okay, very yeah. good. Uh, so we'll get to that here in a moment. And by the way, so you you served at name of the church again in Menasha. Bethel. One of my good friends, and he listens, I think, from time. Well, I know he does from time to time. Uh, high school friend is a member there. I think Doug Polish. You were high school. Friends with Doug Poland. You know Doug and Heather. I love Doug and Heather and their kids. Wonderful family. Uh, just, uh, uh, yeah, gems up there at, at Bethel. Wow. Yeah, we were high school buddies. Very cool. And they're high school sweethearts. I don't know if uh, you knew they, that. I, I did know that. Uh, MLPS. Yep. So Doug and Heather, if you're listening, hi from both Professor Pastor Degner and myself. <laughs> Pole ashes. Uh, <laughs> wonderful people. Okay, so let's go back into Acts chapter 4 here. Uh, we were talking about how The Jewish leaders were threatening Peter and John. You can't talk about Jesus anymore. If you do, you're going to get in big trouble. And so we were looking at the answer of Peter and John. Peter said, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. Seems to me here that uh, my take on this, and and you correct me if I'm wrong, Peter is, is saying to these to these Jewish leaders who are God-fearing people. They just don't buy into Jesus, but they're God-fearing people. 
Peter's saying, what would you do if God told you to do this and someone else said not to? What would you do? Is, is that where Peter's going here? Absolutely. Uh, Peter knows that uh, the leaders, well, at least uh, by their uh, by their positions and by what they say, uh, are are God fearing people. And so, hey, listen, what would you what would you do in our situation? We uh, we have this command from God. I, I know you guys you don't believe that you don't believe that Jesus was sent from God, or you don't want to. But uh, this is the command that we have. Uh, y- you know, we have no choice here. So Peter and John are not going to back down. Do you think they're they're not afraid of what might happen, or or do they not care what what might happen? I don't think it's either of those. You know, I, I, I can't say that they didn't have any fear. You know, I, I mean, they're they're sinful men like us, uh, uh, and can't say that they didn't care necessarily either. Like it, it wouldn't be painful for them if they ended up being put in prison or tortured or, or executed. Uh, but they they had God's power, right? I mean, that's why they pray what they're going to pray here in the verses we're about to talk about. Uh, they had the Holy Spirit filling them with boldness. So I, I, I think that's important to mention because otherwise we say, oh, I'm not like that. Like, I do care and I, I am afraid. Uh, yeah, maybe they were too, uh, but they, they knew where to turn. They, they knew to turn to God and his Spirit for boldness. And that's where we go too. Okay, so I'm back in verse 21. So after further threats, I don't know what those threats were, but further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were there praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. I'm a little intrigued why Luke put that detail in. Why did he tell us his age? Well, I think it goes back to what we were told at the beginning of chapter 3 when the, the healing episode is, is related to us, that he was crippled from birth. And so, uh, you know, you put two and two together, that's uh, 40, by my math, that's 40 years that he was then uh, crippled. This wasn't someone who, you know, a, a child who maybe could outgrow something or someone who had a temporary injury. This was someone who had been crippled for 40 years. There is no way he could suddenly walk and leap unless God had done something for him. Okay, so now we look at the believer's prayer, and now we're going to help uh, Pastor Degner get ready for his sermon on Sunday. Yes. Uh, if you have any good theme ideas for me uh, as we talk here, I'd love to hear them. So on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And that's what God's people do, right? Time of crisis, time of prayer. Absolutely. I love it. The, the first thing that they think to do uh, when they get back together, let, we got to pray. And they address God as sovereign Lord. How about that? Yeah, this uh, it's a good question, and I had to, to look that up to see what was behind that. It's a, uh, The Greek word is despotes. It's a word that's used for uh, for masters, uh, masters and slaves, and it's also used for, for God on, on a few occasions. I think I think the idea, and, and it's only used a few times here in the New Testament, um, uh, the idea is focusing on God's complete control over all things. Uh, he is the master of all people. He he is the sovereign of the universe. So he's the one that uh, they trust in in a moment like this. Okay, what was that Greek word again? Uh, despotes. Uh, you know, uh, we, we get the word despot from it, which has a negative connotation. Uh, but uh, the idea is the same, an absolute ruler, right? Okay. And then, of course, in the English, you see the word reign, right? The Lord reigns. So sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. There's a lot in there. Sure. I, I want to I go here, though, to now they include part of Psalm 
Uh, this is Psalm 1, right? Psalm, Psalm two. 2. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So now they include part of Psalm 2 in their prayer. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against the anointed one. So that's, that's Psalm 2. Uh, in vain. What does this rhetorical question imply? I'll read it one more time. This is a rhetorical question found in, in Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? Putting it in as a question like that just emphasizes the in vain part. Why, why do they think, right? Why do they think that they can stand against the true God? Why do they think they can stop God's mission, which is salvation for sinners? Why do they think they can stop God's chosen one to carry out that mission? Uh, but that's the again the stubbornness of unbelief, right? That's the the hubris of of sinners who who refuse to see the true God for who He is and uh, as their Savior God and want to stand against Him. I mean, you see this uh, th- throughout history of the history of God's people, right? Pharaoh uh, standing against God and his uh, his messenger, uh, even though it should have been very obvious that he was on the wrong side. And yet, what does God do? He He uses that. He rescues his people, uh, and the, the the plagues he sends, the signs he gives, uh, are, are assigned to other nations. This is the, the true God. Or you think about uh, the, the Babylonians who took away Israel. Ultimately, they were, they were also serving God's purpose. Uh, and then Cyrus, who let them come back, uh, serving God's purpose. Think of King Herod trying to kill the baby Jesus, plotting against, uh, plotting against the, the anointed one, and yet... The Lord is clearly in control. And then, of course, the best example, Jesus, right? You've got rulers gathering together, Jewish rulers, uh, Herod, Pilate, all part of this to get Jesus crucified. And yet, what uh, what does God do through that? He brings about salvation for the world. So uh, it, it's pointless to stand uh, against God, and this is no exception. And another way to maybe not take this question, but another way to rephrase the question and say, why, why do people want to stop the message of the gospel from spreading because it's such a beautiful message and <laughs> sure. that it's for the people that are trying to stop it from spreading. If you don't believe that, and of course that's a gift of the spirit, that faith, then, then it's, it's foolishness. It's a threat. Uh, again, that's the, the blindness of unbelief. They refer here to Jesus as the anointed one. So the anointed one, it, let me see if I have this right. So Hebrew and Greek here, right? Mm-hmm. Hebrew is Messiah. Got it. And Greek is Christ. Yes. Can you give us a fuller idea of of what this anointed one means? Sure. Well, that's that Old Testament picture, right? Uh, kings, prophets would be anointed, and that was a, a, a public signal that they had been chosen for this office. And so calling uh, Jesus the anointed one is saying, this is the, this is the one God has chosen uh, and uh, for for a task for an office uh, to to be the the, the savior uh, in uh, in the Old Testament they would anoint with oil that was the the sign Jesus was anointed we're told by the Holy Spirit at his baptism uh, a sign again that this was the one that God had sent so this is the one God has authorized the one God has chosen the one God has sent and I remember as a as a boy thinking anointing with oil and and I was thinking like Quaker state. <laughs> sure. You can set me straight, though, right? Yeah, olive oil. Olive oil. Mm-hmm. It was a beautiful thing uh, in uh, the Old Testament to see that oil running down, uh, to know that's the one, that's the one that God has chosen. Back to the prayer. 
So verse 27, indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus. There they called Jesus a servant, mm -hmm. whom you anointed. And then verse 28, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. How about verse 28? This, this important verse tells us who's, who was and who is in control. Absolutely. Yeah, it, again, it fits with, that, uh, with the psalm, right? Uh, humans think they can stand against God, and not only does God prevail, uh, he even uses the actions of humans to carry out his purpose. And, you know, it's not that God wants people to sin or to fight against him, uh, but with his power and foreknowledge, he, he uses all of that, to uh, bring about good for his people, in this case, the ultimate good, uh, which was our salvation at the cross. And maybe we learn something here about prayer. Uh, this is, you know, this, this prayer of the believers here. It's, it's not necessarily saying this is how you need to pray, but what I find interesting is the prayer begins in verse 24, and now we get to verse 29, and, and now they, they ask for something. But the, the first half or more of the prayer, they're not asking for anything. They're, they're just proclaiming things about God to God. A absolutely. I, I love that as a, a good example for us. Uh, they start with praise, right? Sovereign Lord, you, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea. Uh, they're confessing what they believe about, about the Lord. They, they quote scripture. I think it's wonderful to pray scripture back to God. Uh, we can do that with psalms and other prayers. We can do that with any of God's promises that he's given to us. Uh, and, uh, and then they, they describe their faith in Jesus. We know that uh, in spite of what was done, uh, he is your servant, the one that you anointed. Uh, so yeah, a, a great example of, of prayer, of using scripture, praising God, before they even got to their request. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to give anyone listening the wrong impression, right? It's okay to say, sure. dear God, and then, and then ask for whatever I'm coming to God in prayer for, correct? Absolutely. Sometimes all my prayers consist of is saying, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> but uh, uh, this is a good, a good habit. It's a, a good, good habit to get into. So here's the request, what they do ask of the Lord. It says in verse 29, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. So, so they're asking that uh, the, the word of God continue to spread in spite of the threats against them. And so they ask for boldness. Yeah. I, this is, you know, this is the heart of what they're asking. And, and I think this is one of the, the most important points and fascinating uh, parts of, of this account. I mean, if you're, if you're in that situation and this just happened to you and now you're getting together to pray, what what would you be praying for? Uh, I, I personally, I think I would be saying, God, um, you know, smite, smite these leaders, get them out of the way, so we can do our job. Uh, God, uh, keep us safe from their from their threats. Don't let us go to jail. Don't let us uh, be uh, put to death. That's not what they pray for. They just pray for boldness. Lord, you know what's happening. Consider their threats. Uh, give us boldness. No matter what happens. Give us boldness. Uh, I, I love that prayer. I wish I could say that that's what I pray for. Um, I, I confess that often I'm praying for an easy way out, uh, and uh, and yet uh, I, I know I'm forgiven. I know I'm forgiven for that. And this is what I this is what I want to strive for to be able to say, God, just make me bold to be your witness, no matter what happens today, and no matter what the consequences of it. Is there a difference between? boldness and courage 
Or is that pretty much the same thing I think in this context? Yeah, I think in this context, pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the prayer continues, uh, verse 30, stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Anything there you want to uh, comment on? Verse 29, Well, they, they, they recognize that uh, the connection between what God had done through them for this crippled man, the audience that it gave for the gospel message, uh, not only the audience that had gathered because of the miracle, but also the the way that it confirmed them as messengers of God. The, the leaders didn't want to admit it, but the people recognized there's something special here about the name of Jesus. And so they, um, they're they asking for that, and actually that was a, something Jesus had promised, right? He, he had told them, again, I'm going to send you out. I'll give you power to do wonders in my name. And there was a reason for that, so that people could see this wasn't, uh, some new sect. This wasn't uh, a different, you know, kind of religion, or or worse, something tapping into demonic powers. This was; um, these were messengers of the true God. By and large, uh, God does not give. Certainly, God. There are miracles today that happen, but I don't know that God uh, gives His messengers these abilities today to confirm their message. Why not? Well, I. I, I'm flattered that you would think I would have the answer to that. <laughs> I, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it's kind of an inside joke. Yeah, so, but you understand my question? I, I do. Uh, uh, you, you know, we can't answer that uh, the way that you asked it, but I would say this. Uh, when you look at the history of Scripture, uh, even in the Old Testament, there were certain periods when uh, you see his prophets doing a lot of miracles in his name, uh, important periods of history where where it mattered that the people knew who was a messenger from the true God. I, I think you see that in the, the New Testament. Uh, uh, he Jesus promised this power to his disciples, uh, as it would be very tempting for people to see this as some kind of a new religion, to be able to know this this is the true God. And when you have these face-offs, right, between the religious authorities and these unschooled fishermen, they they are showing a power that the authorities don't have. This was to confirm the message that they were were preaching. Now we don't. But this is the closest I can probably get to answering the question, right? Uh, we we don't need that uh, because we have the the New Testament record of exactly that. We we have the record of Jesus' resurrection and the power that he gave to his disciples, uh, and God's word works. And so after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. So we see that that prayer was answered. That's uh, exactly what they had asked for, and, and God gives them, gives them what, they, what they had requested. Uh, a, a visible sign, a physical sign that, that he was answering it. And again, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God boldly. So you, you see, you had mentioned earlier uh, last week in, in the episode about uh, Acts and the theme of the power of the Spirit. You, you see that here again. How can you speak the Word of God boldly if you're filled with the Holy Spirit? And I would just say, you know, we, we, we want to pray for the same thing, uh, and we the 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 Lord gives us His Holy Spirit too, and the room doesn't shake usually. But uh, where does the Holy Spirit come to us um, through Word and Sacrament? And so, if if we're asking God for boldness, then we we also need to remember to go to those places where He gives us that Spirit who makes us bold. To keep going back to His Word, uh, where we we see the message, we just can't help but 
want to share. Uh, keep keep going back to his body and blood uh, that he gives us to empower us to to be the witnesses we want to be. So that gets uh, to the end of where we want to go here with Acts chapter 4. So what what we saw here was Peter and John, they, they healed a crippled man in, in chapter 3. They got in trouble for it. They got in trouble for talking about Jesus and uh, they got brought before these religious leaders who threatened them. And they, I, I still go back to that, uh, that phrase that Luke says that, that the leader said, we have to stop this thing from spreading any further. So, so they threatened him and then, and then the disciples uh, go back and they, we have this prayer and, and fill us with boldness. And then, and then it tells us that they just continued, continued doing what they were doing with that boldness, that God-given courage and and this thing, this thing is going to continue to spread, and, and you and yeah. I are, are products of that today. Yeah, spoiler alert, uh, they, they were not able to stop this thing from spreading. Uh, in fact, the, the, the book of Acts is the record of exactly that. Uh, Jesus told his disciples to be witnesses starting in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth, and that's exactly how uh, the book of Acts tracks the spread of the gospel. Um, of course, they couldn't stop God's message, uh, the message of his anointed one. Okay, very good. Well, we'll have you back sometime if that's okay, That'd Professor. That'd be wonderful. What I'd like to do is I, I would like to talk to someone about the, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, which comes in the next chapter, I believe. It does. So maybe we could do that sometime. Maybe. Okay. Maybe? <laughs> well, you want me to say yes right here on the air? I guess. Okay, maybe. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for your time today, Professor. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for listening today. I hope you come back for more. Either wait for our next episode or listen to a previous one. And if, uh, if you ever have some feedback, folks, you'll hear the email address here in just a moment. You can send me an email. So may God bless you and keep you. And remember this time that you spend with God's word is always time well spent. Thank you for listening to Impact, a podcast ministry of St. Andrew Lutheran Church in Middleton, Wisconsin. Our email address is impact at st-andrew-online.org. That's impact at st-andrew-online.org. Please tell your friends and family about Impact and pray for this ministry. Impact is new every Monday and all past episodes are available. The better you understand scripture, the greater impact it will have on your life.